Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. G'day and welcome to Not Just A Sports Report. Today I'm going to be jumping in to my second half of the UFC 276 preview and predictions. This card taking place at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas should be a good one. If you want to go back and check my prelims picks, that podcast is available now. Best way to keep up with that is to either follow us on Instagram at Not Just A Sports Report or you can follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. You'll be able to see, well, as soon as UFC thoughts and comments drops, that'll be the live reactions podcast to all the action taking place tomorrow, and that will be out straight after the card. Don't forget as well, preliminary picks already up, so you can go back and have a listen to that whenever you like, but right now it is time for me to delve right into our main card action for UFC 276. We've got our two huge title fights, Israel Adesanya defending the middleweight title up against Jared the Killer Gorilla Cannoneer. We have Alexander Volkanovsky running it back for a third time with Max Blessed Holloway in what should be an epic encounter. Fucking can't even speak English, wow. Uh, in what should be an epic encounter. Now, that title fight is not the only one that fans are salivating over. We've also got a huge middleweight fight that could determine the next contender between Alex Potan Pereira, the only man to have defeated Israel Adesanya by knockout. Of course, that taking place in the kickboxing realm. Up against Sean Strickland, a man who was on an absolute tear as of late, and he himself has built up quite the resume as to why he should be the next title challenger. We've also got two very exciting fights that should be definitely taking place on the feet to open up this main card. And speaking of opening up this main card, let's get to our opening fight in the welterweight division between former welterweight champion Ruthless Robbie Lawler and a grizzled veteran looking for the biggest win of his career in Brian Bam Bam Barbarena. Let's start with Robbie Lawler, who is coming off a third round stoppage over Nick Diaz, the legendary Nick Diaz. Now, there were strange circumstances surrounding that. Nick Diaz appeared to just not want to continue, but that, of course, down to the damage that Robbie Lawler had already produced in their five round fight. But yeah, a bit of a tricky one. It was kind of strange to see at the time watching it live, but that win for Robbie Lawler brought to an end a four-fight losing run, albeit against very high-level opposition. So now the 40-year-old back in the winner's column. And another win tomorrow would set Lawler up for a big-time matchup. Obviously, there are plenty of guys who would love to face a former champion and add that to their resume. And if Lawler gets the win here, well, he's going to be more than deserving of another really high-profile fight. That's if he wants to take it. Obviously, he is at the back end of his career, but no doubt with a win here, Robbie Lawler will once again insert himself back into the frame at welterweight. Probably probably too much to suggest he's ever going to make another title run at this stage, but no doubt a win here will still carry a lot of significance for ruthless Robbie Lawler. 
As for Brian Barbarena, this will be his fourth fight in the last 12 months, and he is chasing his third consecutive wins after getting a win. I'm trying to rack my brain now. I believe it was Darius Weeks. He got a decision win over, and then last time out, a fight of the night decision win up against Matt the Immortal Brown. A split decision, but no doubt the most entertaining fight on that card. And if you'd listened to my preview and predictions for that one, I did predict that that was going to be the fight of the night. No doubt both guys loving to swing wildly. And we have a similar contest in this one tomorrow. I'm expecting a slugfest, but the real question is, who is going to be standing tall at the end? Let's start with the profile of Brian Bam Bam Barbarena, and the 33-year-old American will be representing Jim O. He heads into Vegas this weekend with a UFC record standing at 8-6, and six, and his style revolves around his devastating striking, and yeah, he loves to put guys away with the big, big strike. But look, if you wanted to pick maybe an area of... I guess you could say he needs to improve. That would be the grappling. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu blue belt, uh, which up against the top-level grapplers in the UFC, probably will see him exposed. But Robbie Lawler, probably not the perfect guy to exploit that. So Brian Barbarena heading into this one with the intent of finishing a former welterweight champion. And speaking of the former welterweight champion, let's get to ruthless Robbie Lawler now. The 40-year-old American is a former welterweight champion representing Sanford MMA, one of the standout gyms in the country. And Robbie is a knockout specialist. No stranger to getting the finish, although he has slowed down significantly given that now he's 40. He is in the back end of his career, but prime lot Robbie Lawler, well, he loved nothing more than to get a knockout. So you'd have to suggest he'll be looking to add another one to his resume this weekend. And Robbie's UFC record stands at 14 and 9 overall. That is over two separate stints. So he had a stint starting in 2002. So he has been in the UFC for a hot minute. Then uh, had some time away, spent some time at Strikeforce, a couple of other promotions before returning to the UFC. Overall, Robbie has a record in the UFC from 2002 to 2022, 20 years, uh, although not all that time spent under the UFC banner, 14 and 9 for Robbie Lawler. So that tells me this is going to be a great opener. We are going to see fists flying, no doubt, and this is going to be one explosive contest in the welterweight division. Casting my eye over some of the advantages now, experience definitely goes to Lawler. He's fought at the highest level for such a long time now. Durability, maybe five, ten years ago I would have given to Robbie Lawler. Now I'd give durability to Brian Barbarena given that he is seven years younger than his counterpart. And Robbie Lawler, look, it's natural for someone to be banged up. He has been in war after war. I mean, let's not forget the Rory McDonald fight where Rory McDonald was never quite the same after that. So Robbie Lawler has put his body through a hell of a lot, all in the name of entertaining fans. And for that reason, I've given the durability edge to Brian Barbarena. As far as the striking, look, if Robbie Lawler is even half as good as he has been over the years, well, then all of a sudden his striking is really going to uh, give Barbarena some troubles. But I don't know exactly where Ro Robbie Lawler, Rory Lawler, uh, Robbie Lawler is at at this stage in his career, and he has slowed down a lot. So he 
I would say he has the advantage in the striking, but it's hard to tell exactly what version of Robbie Lawler is going to show up this weekend. In terms of the grappling, look, I think Brian Barberena can get the edge there, but overall, Robbie Lawler, he's been working with some killers over at Sanford. He's got some great minds to learn from. His coaches, guys like Gilbert Burns as well. He's been spending some time working with a young star in Ian Gary, which should work out well for both parties. So I'm giving the grappling... Uh, that one is actually quite even. I think Brian Barberena can probably get the better of those exchanges in this fight, but I do still think Robbie Lawler is going to be too experienced to uh, fall to any grappling exchanges in a major way. As far as level of competition, that goes to Robbie Lawler. How could it not? A former welterweight champion has fought nothing but beasts for decade, a couple of decades now, so that no doubt has to be respected. And Lawler also enters Vegas this weekend with a reach advantage over Brian Barberena. Let's get to the professional records now. Overall, Robbie Lawler has a pro record of 29, 15, and one no contest. That one no contest due to an illegal eye poke on Lawler's behalf. He was the one that did the eye poke, so that one went to no contest. That was outside of the UFC. But looking at Lawler's 29 wins, and this is a key statistic going into this one, 21 of 29 wins by way of knockout for Robbie Lawler. So 21 of his 29 wins via knockout. That is the way he loves to get it done. As I mentioned, he has slowed down quite a bit. So maybe he doesn't quite have that threatening knockout power that he once had, but no doubt that is how Robbie Lawler is most familiar with getting his hand raised. 21 of his 29 victories by knockout. Overall, Lawler's career victories containing 21 knockouts, one submission and seven decision wins. The intent is clear. Robbie Lawler, I'm sure, is going to be coming out fast and hard. He knows he still has the skills to take down someone like Brian Barberena. And I think Lawler will be licking his lips at this matchup. Definitely one that he can win, albeit that he is definitely at the back end of his career. As far as Lawler's career losses, three knockouts, five submissions, and seven decision losses for Ruthless Robbie. On to Brian Barberena's pro record, and that currently stands at 17 and 8. Five of Brian's eight losses have come by way of decision, so he's a very hard man to stop. That kind of feeds into my theory that Barberena will be the more durable in this contest, and overall, uh, Barberena's losses include two knockouts, one submission, and five decision losses. So he's only been knocked out twice in a career that spanned quite some time, around how many fights? Like 25, I believe. So only knocked out twice. That does show you that Brian Barberena has the skills to avoid Robbie Lawler and his strikes because I believe Lawler is going to try and just keep his range, pick off Barberena until he can hurt him and then really put the foot down. Uh, but ultimately, Barberena has proven over his career that he is a very hard man to knock out. As for Barberena's wins, 10 of 17 by knockout. So you can definitely expect fireworks in this one. Both guys knockout specialists. The intent will be there. And whilst this could very well go to decision, there's no doubt in my mind we are going to see haymaker after haymaker. And this is going to be a very entertaining fight regardless of the result. The last knockout win for Barberena, though, I did say 10 of 17 wins by knockout. Last knockout win for Brian Barberena was all the way back in 2018. So 
Definitely don't get too confident that he's going to be able to wrap it up with that method, given that it's been quite some time since Barbarine has been able to shut someone's lights out. Although Robbie Lawler, given his age and how banged up he is after how many wars he's been in, Brian Barbarina definitely does have the arsenal to be able to put a stop to Robbie Lawler within the 15 minutes. Overall, Barbarina's wins include 10 knockouts, 2 submissions and 5 decision wins. The finish factor in this one is going to be high and I think ultimately like the guys aren't going to push too much of a crazy pace. That's why I think this one originally was scheduled for the preliminary card rather than the main card. But I do expect both guys to really have some intent and look for the knockout finish. So I don't think it's going to be a crazy pace, but ultimately I do think the finish factor is going to be high and it'll be interesting to see whether we do get a stoppage in this one. Both men are eager to win given that Brian Barbarena, this win could catapult him to greater heights and he also has an uncertain future. Like a loss here could see the end of his UFC career or at least, you know, getting close to not being re-signed. So but Brian Barbarena has a hell of a lot to fight for. You do need to consider that. This is this man's livelihood. Like he's not going to take this lightly. He is going to put every measure in place to ensure that not only does he keep his job, but he starts to thrive under the bright lights of the UFC. For Robbie Lawler, he is looking to remain relevant in the promotion. The win over Nick Diaz, somewhat marred by Nick Diaz and just kind of the way it all went down. Before that, Lawler with four straight losses, albeit to very high level opponents. So Robbie Lawler, he wants to remain relevant within the promotion. He wants to continue to be part of exciting fights and he's going to be out for the win here. So no doubt a very exciting fight between two veterans. Stylistically, this is going to be a straight up fist fight. If someone's going to engage in the wrestling, I think it's more likely to be Brian Barbarena. But overall, I think this one is going to take place largely on the feet. That is what excites me a lot about this one. And I was leaning toward Lawler all week, given that he's my more preferred fighter in this fight. Huge fan of Robbie Lawler's. But there are question marks surrounding his durability. And for that reason, I've gone with Brian Barbarena by decision. My reasoning for that is father time. It catches up to everyone in the end. And Robbie Lawler has been in war after war, like I said. So whilst I'll be cheering for Lawler, and originally I was going to take Robbie in this one, I just have too many question marks around his durability at this stage in his career. Brian Barbarina, seven years younger, has a lot to fight for, potentially his job. I, I think he's going to come in a little bit hungrier. Robbie Lawler, he's already been to the top. He knows what it feels like to be champion. And it's, it's going to be hard for him to lift to that next gear at 40 years old, whereas Brian Barbarena is fighting for so much. So I'm taking Brian Barbarena over Robbie Lawler by decision in this welterweight opener. And I think he's only just going to edge out a real war on the feet. So taking Brian Barbarena by decision and my best bet for this one, I think you could go either man. Like take whichever you prefer because... I'm still struggling to split it. I have gone Barbarina, but best bet, I'm saying either man, jump on the double chance. So either Robbie Lawler or Brian Barbarina to win by knockout or decision. So I don't think submissions are going to factor into this one. And I think your best bet would to be or would be to go the double chance, knockout or decision. Uh, just having a look at the odds for that right now. And head to head, they're $1.90 a piece. So 
cannot be split on the market. I was finding it very hard myself to split them. Robbie Lawler, this, I, I, I don't know, I'm thinking about changing my pick, but I won't. Huge fan of Robbie Lawler's, but ultimately I will go with Brian Barbarena. Now, double chance for Lawler to win by knockout or points is $1.80. So honestly, best bet, you're probably better off going for Robbie Lawler head-to-head at $1.90. It's better odds head-to-head than it is for knockout or points, so makes a ton of sense. So best bet if you're feeling Lawler in this one, just go Robbie Lawler head-to-head. Still plenty of value at $1.90. And as for Brian Barbarena, double chance, knockout or points, $2.10. So you can get that little bit more value. I would be shocked if he won by submission. And for that reason, I think your best bet here, Brian Barbarena by knockout or points, at $2.10. So taking Brian Barbarena by decision in this one and best bet is Barbarena by knockout or points. So should be a great way to open up the action. Let's now get on to our next fight up the card in the Bantamweight division. All right, let's get to our next contest and there is plenty of fanfare surrounding this one as we have the Sugar Show, Sugar Sean O'Malley up against Pedro Munoz. There are plenty of eyes on this fight and Sugar Sean is a genuine superstar, but there is no doubt in anyone's mind that this is his toughest test of his career. Up against the Brazilian veteran Pedro Munoz, who's going to be looking to derail the hype train as he looks to snap a two-fight losing streak against some very high-quality names, Dominic Cruz and Jose Aldo, both former champions, both current contenders as well. So it can be a little bit deceiving, Pedro Munoz and his recent record, just given that he's been facing nothing but killers in the division. His opponent this weekend will be the 13th-ranked bantamweight, Sean O'Malley, who's had a slower build to the top. He's taken his time to add some wins to his resume and slowly work his way without rushing to a top 15 and now top 10 opponent. And he gets just that on this weekend, if I can speak English correctly. Pedro Munoz, ranked number nine. A top 10 spot is at stake here in a stacked division. So plenty on the line. Pedro Munoz wants to keep himself in title contention get a win and start working his way back to the top. Whereas Sean O'Malley, he is looking to break into the division's top 10 for the first time. Let's start with Pedro Munoz, who's a standout and a permanent fixture in the bantamweight division and has been for quite some time, meddling with the top 15 and all the elite names of the division. Pedro is yet to experience a stoppage loss as well, Plenty of fights in his career and nobody has had the tools required to be able to end Pedro's night within the distance up to this point. And Pedro has a variety of weapons that can really trouble the sugar show here. Not just his striking, not just his vicious leg kicks, but also his grappling. That's a really underrated part of Pedro Munoz's game and I would not be surprised if he leans on that in this fight up against the longer and rangier Sean O'Malley. Looking at the last two outings for Pedro Munoz, he had a decision loss to Jose Aldo where he was outclassed over the 15 minutes and then a decision loss up against Dominic Cruz. I remember that. Dominic Cruz won me a good chunk of money on that one, so good memories, but that one was close. Like Pedro Munoz, he did rock Dominic Cruz early 
and then Cruz managed to just get the better of all the moments for the rest of the fight. So Pedro, two losses riding into this one. He is going to be looking to snap that losing streak up against Sean O'Malley, who enters Vegas this weekend for the biggest fight of his career. His first ever top 10 opponent, and he's looking to build on his last outing, a round one knockout over, at the time, the ranked Harleyan Piver. This time, Sean O'Malley takes on his most dangerous opponent yet, and we're going to see the Sugar Show tested in ways that he just has not been tested before. So no doubt this is going to be a very fun fight on the main card. And you've got to wonder, is Sugar Sean ready for the step up in competition, or will Pedro reinsert his name into contention conversations? Let's have a look at Sean O'Malley's profile, the 27-year-old American representing MMA Lab. Not just his gym, also the gym of tonight's main event title challenger, Jared Cannonier as well. So MMA Lab producing some really quality fighters as of late. And Sean O'Malley is a boxer, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu blue belt, a brown belt, sorry, big discrepancy there. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt, and Sean has a unique striking range, very long for the division in terms of his very long limbs, uh, and he's a hard man to kind of get in his range without being stung by a few of his shots. So a really unique striking style for Sean O'Malley that I think will serve him well in this contest, with a UFC record standing at 7-1, and one, that only loss being a loss to Cheeto Vera. And he hurt his leg in that one. It was called a TKO. And Cheeto Vera ending up getting the win there. That is the only loss of Sean O'Malley's UFC career. And yeah, he, he still feels that he's undefeated. I don't. I definitely consider that a loss. The record books considers that a loss. And although Sean O'Malley doesn't, that was definitely a loss. His legs kind of gave way there as well, which could be a concern, given that Pedro Munoz has some of the most deadly leg kicks in the 135 pound division. So Sugar Sean definitely gonna have to tread carefully, but overall a UFC record of seven and one. And his last five wins have all come via knockout or technical knockout. So Sean O'Malley, definitely a specialist at getting it done inside the distance. And he has spoken about his intent to hand Pedro Munoz the first knockout loss of his storied career. Another point that definitely needs to be noted that is that Purity Yarn, the number one ranked bantamweight, he has come out and said, Sugar Sean, if you have the fucking balls, call me out after this fight. I'll accept and we can fight. So I'm really interested if Sugar Sean can get a big win here. Will he go for the big move and call out the number one ranked Purity Yarn? He, he may very well do just that. It's a great way to fast track yourself toward a title shot, but obviously... That is the biggest step up in competition. Purity yarn. You couldn't ask for a much tougher assignment at 135. But that is definitely something to note that the Russian, he's lingering. He said he'll accept it if Sugar Sean puts it out there. So I will definitely be keeping my ears out for Sugar Sean's post-fight interview should he get the win this weekend. Onto the profile of Pedro Munoz now. And the young Punisher is 35 years young from Sao Paulo, Brazil, and representing American top team, one of the best facilities in mixed martial arts. No doubt Pedro Munoz with the best possible team around him and resources to get the job done here. And Pedro has an overall UFC record of nine wins, seven losses, and one no contest. 
Pedro is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, so he's definitely going to have the edge in the grappling up against Sugar Sean, and Pedro is also a judo brown belt. I'm going to have a quick look at the professional records, starting with Pedro Munoz, overall 19, 7, and 1 no contest. Eight of his 19 wins have come by way of submission, and I think that's the way Pedro Munoz is going to look here. Uh, Sugar Sean will probably be a lot tougher to get down and submit, given that he is quite long. It'd be hard to grab onto those arms. They're fucking long. Uh, same with the legs. And best chance is wrapping up that neck, getting a submission, which Pedro Munoz definitely able to do so, but also hasn't had a submission win since October 2017. So, look, I think that Pedro Munoz definitely going to look to exploit his edge over Sugar Sean in the grappling department. Eight submission wins, five knockout wins, and six decisions on his winning resume. And Pedro Munoz, as I mentioned, yet to be finished in his career. All seven losses by decision. So that is definitely a key stat. I know Sugar Sean has all the hype. And maybe if you, you know, were just buying into the hype, it would be an easy bet to just go Sugar Sean by knockout. But let me tell you, that will be anything but an easy bet. Pedro Munoz, as durable as it as they come, seven decision losses, but is yet to be stopped inside the distance. So definitely something to consider if you're going to have a punt this weekend. And as for Sean O'Malley's record, well, knockouts are his specialty. 11 from 15 wins coming by way of knockout. So the intense there, he's already stated he's looking to hand Pedro Munoz the first knockout loss of his career. And that is definitely a possibility. Sugar Sean... Yeah, he's got the, you know, colorful hair and he's a colorful character, but do not mistake this guy for just a show pony who's all talk. This guy is a very legit fighter, very quality skills, not just on the feet, but he's also got a good scrambling game when it comes to the action on the mat. 11 of 15 wins by knockout, one submission and three decision victories, and the only loss of his career being the TKO at the hands of Marlon Chito Vera. So... I'm sure if O'Malley can continue to stay on a roll, they will run that one back at some point. I'm sure there'd be a lot of hype about that. But Sean O'Malley, key stat, 11 of 15 wins by knockout. Pedro Munoz, key stat, all seven of his losses coming by way of decision. So he has proven against some of the best killers of the division that he is a very, very hard, in fact, up to this point, an impossible man to knock out or submit. So definitely something to consider if you're having a bet on this one. Jumping onto the advantages now. Experience definitely lays with Pedro Munoz. He's been in big high profile fights before, whereas this is the biggest of Sean O'Malley's career. Level of competition also favors Pedro Munoz, who's been a fixture of the rankings for a while now, taking on the best that the division has to offer. Striking, I'll give to Sugar Sean. He's longer, rangy. He'll be able to kind of dictate the pace that the fight is fought on. And I just think that Sugar Sean, ultimately, he's got a lot more to offer on the feet. And look, Pedro, like his leg kicks are dangerous and he does have knockout power. So Sugar Sean is going to have to be careful. But overall, I like what I see in the striking department a lot from Sugar Sean O'Malley. In the grappling, as I said, Pedro's going to have the edge. A Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt up against a brown belt, so potentially evenly matched. But I do think Pedro, out and out, is much more of a grappler than Sean O'Malley, judging on what we've seen in their time in the UFC. And there's a massive discrepancy in height and reach that favors Sean O'Malley. So 
I am sure he's going to be trying to use that to his advantage. And that's probably what gives him the confidence that he can hand Pedro Munoz his first knockout loss in his career. As far as the rankings, a top 10 spot is on the line. As we know, it'll be huge if Sugar Sean enters the top 10. And if Pedro Munoz can get the win, well, not only will he steal a lot of that thunder, but he is also going to have his eyes set on working his way back toward that top five. And once again, taking on the best that the division has to offer. In this one, the finish factor is low. Look, the intent is absolutely going to be there from Sugar Sean. And I'm sure Pedro Munoz fancies himself to be able to get a finish over Sean O'Malley. But ultimately, I'm going to say finish factor is low in this one. I think they're going to take time feeling each other out, working out exactly where their range is. Sugar Sean, no doubt, is going to be busy setting the tone and the pace for this fight with his striking. But Pedro Munoz at certain points will be able to slow Sugar Sean down with his grappling. I think overall this contest seems like it is going to go for the full 15 minutes. A real danger fight for Sean O'Malley. Pedro Munoz, no doubt, by far and away, the toughest test he has gone up against inside the UFC to date. And stylistically, look, O'Malley, he's going to be going for the striking. We know he's going to be going for the knockout, so I'm sure he's going to be landing big strikes with a lot of intent behind them. But Pedro, as I said, I think he's going to utilize the grappling. His leg kicks could prove to be a real issue for O'Malley as well, which that seems to have been his only kryptonite up to this point. Very close contest, a lot at stake given the top 10 implications in the bantamweight division. And I'm going to take Sean O'Malley jumping on the Sugar Sean hype train. I'm a big fan of what he offers, always excited by his fights. Nonetheless, massive fan of Pedro Munoz as well. This dude deserves nothing but respect. But ultimately, Sugar Sean, he's taken his time to get here. He hasn't rushed. He's developed his skills, built up his confidence as well. So I'm taking Sugar Sean over Pedro Munoz. And look, given Pedro's durability, I think Sugar Sean is going to go really hard for the knockout. And that is absolutely a chance. I can see it happening. But just given that Pedro Munoz is yet to be knocked out and the experience discrepancy and that this is Sean O'Malley's toughest test yet, I think Sean O'Malley can pass, but I have enough respect for Pedro to think that this is going to go the distance. So I'm going to be taking Sean O'Malley by decision in this one because of Pedro's durability. And as for how Sean O'Malley is going to get it done, I think he's going to outstrike his opponent over the full 15 minutes. I think he's going to come close to knocking Pedro out. But as I said, Pedro, extremely durable. So ultimately, I think Sugar Sean is going to be the one that gets his hand raised. And I think this one's going to decision. So taking Sugar Sean by decision. And as far as my best bet, I'm going to say Sugar Sean head to head, which is only about $1.35. So not a lot of value in that one. I guess that would be best utilized if you parlay that into a multi so if you've got any multis going on you can even plug in some other sports nrl afl if you're from america or whatever fucking nfl's not on nba just finished i don't know hockey whatever fucking americans watch but you can parlay it into the other fights as well but best bet i'm gonna say sean o'malley head to head parlay that in a multi and i think you can have some success so Overall, in what should be a hell of a banger in the bantamweight division, I am taking Sugar Sean O'Malley to keep the Sugar Show going over Pedro Munoz by unanimous decision. All right, now let's. 
let's get on to what could potentially be the most epic middleweight fight of all four of the middleweight fights tonight. All of them having major implications on the rankings and the trajectory and landscape of the division going forward, but none more so than this fight, which could very well be a number one contender's fight. On one side, you have Sean Strickland. On the other, one of the greatest kickboxing exports we have ever seen inside the octagon in Alex Pereira. Now, before Adesanya defends his title up against Jared Cannonier in the middleweight division for the main event of 276, we have a fight that may very well determine the next title challenger. On one hand, you have Sean Strickland, who has been unstoppable at 185 since returning from a two-year layoff. He is ranked fourth in the division on the back of five straight wins, with victories over Jack Marshman, Brendan Allen, Christoph Jotko. Then he followed that up with a great, decisive, unanimous decision victory in a fight night main event over Uriah Hall, before going on to record a split decision victory over Jack Hermanson. That took Strickland's overall record as a middleweight, given that he has spent some time as a welterweight as well. But at middleweight, Strickland's record stands at 20 and 0. This guy is simply unstoppable at 185. Alex Pereira, he is going to be a very tough ask, though, for Sean Strickland. He is a former two-division glory kickboxing champion in the middleweight and light heavyweight division, and he is a longtime rival of Israel Adesanya's, dating back to their kickboxing days. Pereira, no doubt, look, he is coming for the champion as it stands. He made a statement on debut with a brutal knee to the face, knocking out Andreas Mihalidis. That was a huge moment. Like, I actually took Andreas in that fight, and in that second round, I got a true glimpse of just why there was so much hype and fanfare around the arrival of Alex Pereira. In his sophomore appearance, Pereira was just as impressive this fight was the one I was most excited for on that particular card. It was a matchup against Bruno Silva, who himself is a very skilled knockout artist. So as far as this one goes, this is going to be a total banger. And going back to that sophomore appearance, it was a phenomenal decision win from Alex Pereira, who showcased a varied range of skills getting the victory over Bruno Silva. And let's not, of course, forget Alex Pereira, the only man to have defeated Israel Adesanya twice, that taking place in kickboxing, with one of those being a knockout. So the only man that can lay claim to knocking Adesanya out and shutting his lights out inside the UFC. He is now in the middleweight division and he is fast-tracking himself on the way to a title shot. The storyline is already there. There has been plenty of talk in the lead up to this weekend about Pereira and Adesanya. And that's given that they aren't even facing each other. We don't know whether Izzy's going to leave as the champion. We don't know whether Pereira's going to get past Sean Strickland. But what we do know is that there is already a very large appetite and that interest has been peaked as far as this potential matchup. So it's one definitely that I would love to see go down at some point. We're going to have to wait and see where all the cards land, though, after UFC 276. Let's get on to Alex Pereira's profile now and Poetan, who is, or which is rather uh, translated to Stonehand, very fitting nickname. 
The 34-year-old is from Brazil and training with Glover Teixeira at Teixeira's MMA and Fitness. So he's definitely going to be getting a masterclass in terms of learning grappling and a submission game to go along with what is already one of the most well-versed skill sets on the feet that you will see in mixed martial arts. Pereira is one of the greatest kickboxers of all time, at least in the modern era, and it cannot be stated enough. This guy's style is kickboxing, and he could be very well the best kickboxer in mixed martial arts. So definitely something to keep an eye on with Pereira's record standing in the UFC at two wins and no losses. Onto a bloke who may very well be the biggest psychopath in the UFC, and that's saying something. Sean Strickland, a bloke who's not afraid to say what is on his mind. I tell you what, he, he's a polarizing personality and a very intense bloke, but I'm glad he's in the UFC. I think that's the perfect spot to him. He said it himself. If he wasn't in the UFC, he'd probably be welcoming, welcoming people to Walmart. So Sean Strickland, he adds a different flavor to the UFC and to sport in general, which we don't always see. Do I agree with everything he says? Fucking absolutely not. Half of it, I don't. But in saying that, I cannot argue Sean Strickland definitely deserves this position that he is at. He is one of the best fighters in the middleweight division. And a win here will absolutely solidify that. And I would have no complaints if Sean Strickland is up next for a title shot. Strickland is nicknamed Tarzan, and the 31-year-old American trains with Extreme Couture MMA, one of the best gyms in the world, home to the likes of Brad Tavares, who is also on this card. And look, Extreme Couture, they have a knack for getting the results. So I think they're going to have the perfect game plan to deal with someone the caliber of Alex Pereira on the feet. And I think Strickland is going to look to utilize his ground game, given that he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. Although he is a very much an all-rounder in terms of his skill set. Just his quality on the feet, although his skills in that department no doubt going to be put to the test up against Alex Pereira. With Sean Strickland's overall UFC record standing at 12-3, and three, all three of those losses taking place in the middleweight division. So he's undefeated as a middleweight, and he took on some pretty classy names in the welterweight division. Think Kamaru Usman on his run to the top, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Sean Strickland, he's faced some very high-level opponents. In terms of the advantages for this one, experience no doubt goes to Sean Strickland, has a significantly or has significantly more fights on his resume than that of Alex Pereira. And I think he's going to be able to use that experience to really give the best account of himself up against Pereira. Level of competition also goes to Strickland, who's been grinding in the UFC for quite some time now, whilst Pereira had a run of lower level opponents on his way to the UFC. That's why I wasn't too sure on him, but totally changed my tune after seeing the way that he dismantled Andreas Mihalidis. Looking at the striking, no doubt that goes to Alex Pereira. I mean, up against pretty much everybody, Pereira is going to have the striking advantage. But the grappling advantage lays with Sean Strickland. That's why many people believe that he's going to look to utilize that to avoid copying any punishment on the feet from Alex Pereira. So grappling goes to Sean Strickland, although you can absolutely guarantee that Alex Pereira is learning from the best in Glover Teixeira, and I expect him to showcase some new skills this weekend. Size 
or sorry, sizable height and reach advantage for Pereira. So he is much bigger, much longer, and has a lot more power in his hands. So Sean Strickland is going to have to be very, very careful. Although Strickland is ranked fourth in the division, so no doubt a win here will equal a title shot. Whilst Alex Pereira is not even in the top 15, he is not ranked, and a win could potentially propel him into the division's top five. So no doubt there is a hell of a lot at stake in this contest at 185 pounds. You have Alex Pereira with a professional record standing at five and one. Of course, not counting his decorated kickboxing career. This is strictly martial arts. Five wins, one loss, with four of those five wins coming by way of knockout. No surprise there. And of course, the one decision win over Bruno Silva. As far as his one loss, Pereira's only loss came in his first professional outing. It was a submission loss back in October 2015. So, been quite a while since he's tasted defeat in the MMA world, although he hasn't had the highest level of activity either, given that he has bounced between even a boxing fight and then a lot of kickboxing and MMA kind of was the side hustle until recently. But now that he finds himself in the position that he's in, it seems that Pereira's going all in on MMA, and this is a vital opportunity for him to work his way toward championship gold. As for Sean Strickland, he has a very impressive record, standing at 25 wins and 3 losses overall. 10 knockout wins on Strickland's resume, along with 4 submissions and 11 decision victories. As for Strickland's losses, he has one loss by knockout at the hands of Elisio dos Santos, and he has two decision losses, Santiago Ponzinibbio and the current reigning and defending welterweight champion, Kamaru the Nigerian Nightmare Usman. So as far as the losses for Strickland, nothing but losses to high-level opponents, only three losses, 25 wins, 20-0 and 0 as a middleweight as well. It cannot be understated. Sean Strickland, absolutely a bona fide contender in this division. Looking at the finish factor, it's fairly high given the credentials of both fighters. But at the same time, I think they are going to test each other. And this could potentially go the full distance. So I can definitely see this one going the full 15 minutes. But no doubt the finish factor still high. Middleweight, always a division that is prone to seeing an early stoppage. And Strickland and Pereira both have the skills, most definitely, to get the stoppage. But we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Stylistically, gotta wonder what Sean Strickland's game plan is. Does he try and match it with Pereira on the feet? Or is he going to try and utilize the grappling? I would say grappling, but we will have to wait and see as to what Extreme Couture and Sean Strickland put forward as his game plan stylistically in this fight. In my opinion, I can't wait. This is the fight alongside the title fights that I have been waiting a long time for, more than weeks for, as soon as they were announced. And Pereira and Strickland, I hold it in the same regard as the title fights. I am equally as excited for this one. I cannot wait to see how it goes down. And to be honest, I have no idea how this one's going to go down. But I'm going to take Alex Pereira by knockout. I am well and truly on the hype train now. And yeah, I, I think Strickland is going to be a very, very tough ask. I can see this one going to decision. But in the name of being honest, I'm going to tell you right now, this is just me jumping fully aboard the hype train. Alex Pereira has made me a believer, 
And I, I think he can make a big statement and claim that he is next in line for a title shot, which is a huge thing for someone who's not even in the division's top 15 right now. So Alex Pereira, I think he's going to make a statement. Sean Strickland, maybe taking his eye off the ball, working on distracting Israel Adesanya and talking shit to him at the press conference. But you don't want to take your eyes off Alex Pereira for even one second. He's shown that already in his short UFC run. So jumping aboard the hype train in the middleweight division, I'm going to be taking Alex Poatan Pereira over Sean Strickland by knockout. And as far as my best bet, look, there's every chance it goes to decision. So a knockout slash decision double chance bet could be the go. But what I'm looking at here that I'm going to have a little play with is my best bet, Alex Pereira, second round knockout. Strickland has shown just how durable he is. I'd be surprised if we see a first round knockout, although wouldn't that be epic? But I think Pereira, ultimately, he'll adjust once he's had a round to work out exactly how Strickland's going to go about this fight. And I think Pereira will adjust successfully. So my best bet for this one is Alex Pereira to win in round two via knockout. And my overall prediction, Alex Pereira over Sean Strickland by knockout. So cannot wait to sit down and watch that one play out. I will, of course be giving my live reactions on the weekly UFC Thoughts and Comments podcast, which will drop immediately after the card is done. So definitely keep your ears out for that. But now it's time to jump in to our two main events, both title fights, both featuring an Australian or New Zealand uh, flavor rather. And I could not be more pumped. The challenges are the strongest and best possible challenges to step up and have a shot at the title right now. And you better believe these two fights are going to have a real main event feel about them. So let's get started, shall we, with the featherweight championship for the third time. The trilogy, the champion up 2-0, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, defending his belt against former featherweight champion Max Blessed Holloway. Let's not waste any time and get straight into this co-main event for the featherweight championship. Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, Max Holloway, and for the third time, these featherweight icons will duke it out all in the name of being crowned featherweight champion of the world. Not only that, but hopefully putting a stamp and an end to their rivalry, which I guess that's more so in the case of the champion than the challenger. We've got Volkanovski looking to close this chapter of his career and put a definitive stamp on this rivalry by closing out the series 3-0. And on the other side, you have blessed Max Holloway looking to reclaim the title that he once held in a division that he had been dominant in for so long. Volkanovski has proven to be one of the all-time greats and he has a champion's mindset that has been on display each and every single time the Australian takes the octagon. Whilst Holloway is fully deserving of this trilogy fight, despite trailing 2-0, given how hard he's worked to get himself back into the title picture. Looking at Volkanovski, and he leads 2-0 in this series, with a decision win to take the title, and then a very, very close split decision win to keep the title. That was a contentious result as well. Plenty of people feeling that Max Holloway done enough to win that. So yeah, there's definitely going to be plenty of eyes on this one looking for a definitive end. 
and these two have shared 50 minutes of cage time together, nearly an hour in that cage fighting each other, so they would have learned a thing or two about how each other goes about their business, although both have evolved and become even better in the time since they last fought 2020 in Abu Dhabi for their second fight. Since that point and the second win for Volkanovski, he went on to defeat Brian Ortega, both of them coaching on the Ultimate Fighter season, with um, Volkanovski having Ricky Tercios and Brian Battle both winning their Ultimate Fighter divisions from Team Volkanovski. And then Alex went one step further, getting a remarkable win over Brian Ortega. Let's not forget just how close Ortega had to wrapping that neck, or just how close he was rather, to wrapping up that neck and forcing Volkanovski to submit. But again, the champion's mindset on display. Volkanovski going bright purple, still managed a way to find his way out of that submission attempt and ultimately got the win in a fight that, other than Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, that was my fight of the year last year. Hugely entertaining, massive respect to both men. And Volkanovski hasn't slowed down. After that Ortega win, Volkanovski was supposed to face Max Holloway originally around March, February, March this year, maybe even April. Um, but the Korean Zombie had to step up. So Holloway pulled out, Korean Zombie stepped up, and it was a complete domination for Volkanovski. He was head and shoulders above the Korean Zombie on the night, getting a TKO slash knockout victory. Just so much accumulative damage and... He was on another level comparatively to the Korean Zombie, extending the Australians' winning streak to 21 fights in a row, a simply incredible run. As for Max Holloway, well, his road to getting back to the title wasn't an easy one. It started with a striking masterclass in the start of last year, a decision win over Kelvin Cater, and the most strikes ever landed in a UFC fight. It was simply incredible, and Holloway didn't stop there. He came out and performed once again on the big stage, gaining another five-round main event win, this time over Yair Rodriguez. And in only two fights against Cater and Rodriguez, Holloway landed 675 significant strikes. So when you talk about the evolution and the improvements made, well, Max Holloway, plenty of improvements made to his game, including some takedowns and some wrestling, which we haven't really seen before, but that was on display up against Yair Rodriguez. Two fights, 675 significant strikes landed. Back to these two and their fights previously. The first two fights, very interesting. Obviously, the first one, Volkanovski, very much a deserved winner, but a super contentious result the second time around in their split decision contest. That one was razor thin. A lot of people feeling that Holloway could have got that done or had his hand raised, but in the end, Volkanovski holding on to that championship. That is ultimately, if you're Holloway, why you don't want to leave it to the judges. And that is exactly the intent Holloway has come out and said. He has said he's not going to leave this to the judges. He doesn't think this round, uh, this fight rather, is going to see the championship round. So Holloway, very, very stern in terms of his intent going into this championship fight. Who leaves with the title? Well, we're going to have to wait and see. But Volkanovski, 
definitely in good stead alongside his head coach, Joe Lopez, and they've been able to go back to New Zealand for the first time since the COVID pandemic and reignite the flame and that relationship with City Kickboxing, Eugene Behrman, the likes of Israel Adesanya, Dan Hooker, and Brad Riddell. So that is a massive, massive boost for Volkanovski to get to go back over to Auckland, work with some great minds, and it tends to get the best out of Alex. So that is definitely something to note. Volkanovski, once again, back in Auckland, working with the City Kickboxing team and Eugene Behrman. As for Max Holloway, as I said, he's going to be chasing the finish, no doubt in this one. He wants his title back, and he's a former champion. So the 30-year-old from Hawaii is going to be coming in this weekend with every intention of reclaiming his gold, and he will be representing Gracie Technic's gym. And as far as Holloway's style, he's a very, very talented kickboxer, as well as being a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt with a UFC record standing at 19 wins and six losses. Two of those six losses coming at the hands of the very man he's going to have to defeat this weekend if he hopes to raise that gold once again. On to Alexander the Great Volkanovsky now, and the 33-year-old is from Wollongong, New South Wales in Australia. He will be representing City Kickboxing, and he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt under Eugene Behrman. Oh, black belt rather, sorry. Fuck that one. Uh, he's a black belt, so he is on another level to Holloway in the grappling. He is very, very, I guess, unheralded. Like, I know it's his biggest strength, but now more so than ever, this is an area where he can really come and win the fight. That is in the grappling and the wrestling. A Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, that is a very, very high honor, as well as being a very quality boxer and a lot of skills in the wrestling department as well. That is why the champion's UFC record sits at an unblemished 11-0. Very impressive considering that this is the biggest stage in mixed martial arts. On to the advantages. Confidence has to go to Volkanovski given that he leads the series 2-0. He knows that he can beat Holloway. He hasn't done it once but twice. Whereas Holloway, I'm sure there will be some doubts. He knows that he's going to come out and look for the win. I'm sure both guys will be confident in their own right. But the confidence advantage surely goes to Alex Volkanovsky, just given that he knows that he can beat Holloway, and he has done so twice. As far as the striking advantages, I give that to Holloway. I mean, I talked just before about how many significant strikes he's landed in just two fights since last meeting Volkanovsky, and he's added more strings to his bow. So Volkanovsky is definitely going to have to be wary because the striking advantage lays with Max Holloway for mine. Grappling, though, that is definitely with Volk, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He is head and shoulders the best grappler in the division right now, in my opinion. And is the toughest assignment you could possibly ask for at 145 pounds. Volk is also going to have a reach advantage, so that should help him stay at range, be able to pick Max Holloway off with some quality strikes. Of course, when they did meet the first time for the title, Volkanovski, how he got the title was that he was ahead in every round on the strikes. That was really an area where he troubled Max Holloway. And obviously Holloway is going to have made adjustments to his game, but the reach advantage, I'm sure, will be a handy one for the champion. Up against the number one ranked uh, featherweight, heavyweight? Far out. Uh, Up against the number one ranked featherweight, Max Holloway, who, look, He doesn't want to be the number one ranked. He wants to be the champion. And as far as this fight, whoever wins, there are a host of guys lining up for the next title shot. 
Josh Emmett at this stage seems most likely fresh off of his unanimous decision win. Or was it split decision, actually? I Memory fucking zonked. I don't know. It was like last week, wasn't it? Or week before. But Josh Emmett, he is definitely right there when it comes to the next contender. Arnold Allen is another name that comes immediately to mind, as well as someone like Bryce Mitchell. And the winner of Yair Rodriguez and Brian Ortega, which is a fight night coming up. That'll be a main event. Winner of that will immediately insert themselves back into the title race, given that a top three ranking is at stake in that one. On to Max Holloway's professional record. That stands overall at 23-6, and six, with Holloway sporting 10 knockout wins, 2 submissions, and 11 decision victories on his resume. As far as Holloway's losses, five of six losses have come by way of decision. Very durable, almost impossible to stop. The only person who's managed to get a stoppage victory over Holloway was Dustin Poirier in Holloway's UFC debut back in 2012, where Poirier was managing, or was able to manage rather, the submission victory. So look, 2012 was the last time, and the only time Max Holloway has been stopped. I think Volkanovski may come out with the aim of uh, being the second bloke, just given that he really wants to put a stamp on this rivalry. And speaking of Alexander Volkanovsky, let's get to his record that stands at an unbelievable 24 wins, one loss, with that one loss coming all the way back in May 2013. TKO lost to Corey Nelson at welterweight, so a completely different division. Volkanovsky undefeated as a featherweight and... He is the absolute absolute pinnacle when it comes to modern-day featherweights. In the conversation, no doubt, alongside Jose Aldo and the man he's facing, Max Holloway, for featherweight goat status. So a very, very important matchup at 145 pounds. And back to Volkanovski's record, 50% of his wins have come by way of knockout, with 12 knockouts, 3 submissions, and 9 decisions. But do keep in mind, whilst Volkanovski's biggest winning record or biggest winning method rather is 12 knockouts uh i still think must be considered that both his wins over max were decisions and max holloway has never lost by knockout in his career so very very prime stylistic matchmaking here that leads me to believe the finish factor is going to be lower i know both guys will have intent no doubt it's going to be there for both guys to look for that decisive win but ultimately, I, I don't think the finish factor's high just because of how evenly matched both of these guys are, how durable they are, and how they've proven time and time again that they can go the full 25-minute distance. There is a bounce-back factor for Max Holloway, though. He's lost the first two. I think that's going to wake something up inside of him where he could really come out. And if there is to be a finish, I think Holloway by knockout could very well be the money there. But stylistically... They're perfectly matched. So ultimately, I do think this is going to go the full 25 minutes. That would see them go 15 rounds across their rivalry, which would be insane. Now, I know both guys are going for the finish, but I think we're going the distance here. Who am I going to take, though? I've got to go with the Aussie, Alexander Volkanovsky. I cannot deny him. He has been so impressive without any blemishes in his featherweight run and... Look, whilst Holloway is the toughest possible opponent for him, I have full faith in the great one, Alexander Volkanovsky. So I'm going to be taking the Australian featherweight champion, Alexander Volkanovsky, over Max Holloway by decision. 
Is it going to be split? Is it going to be unanimous? I'm really not sure. But overall, I think in a close fight, Alexander Volkanovsky is going to stand tall and prove to the whole world exactly why he is the champion and why he is in the conversation as the greatest featherweight of all time. So I'm going to take Alex Volkanovsky by decision. I also think this is going to be fight of the night, potentially fight of the year. Like this fight genuinely could be anything. And I'm going to go with Volk. So... Ultimately, final prediction on this one, Alexander Volkanovsky and still retaining his featherweight championship by decision over Max Holloway. And my best bet is Volk head-to-head. Just going to take Volk head-to-head. I'm sure you can get a little bit of value on that, especially if you parlay it into a couple of multis. So best bet, Volkanovsky head-to-head and official prediction for this co-main event, featherweight championship, Alexander Volkanovsky to get it done by decision. I'll be cheering on the Australian champ, no doubt. Max Holloway, another favorite of mine. So you just know this fight's going to deliver. And speaking of fights that's going to deliver, well, now it is time to jump into the last one, the main event, the final fight on this card, and the one that many people are paying their money to see. We have the middleweight champion, the last stylebender, Israel Adesanya, representing Auckland, New Zealand by way of Nigeria, up against the killer gorilla Jared Cannonier, a man who holds records at hev- or holds knockouts rather at heavyweight, light heavyweight, and middleweight, which is a record in itself. Anyway, there you go. So we've got Cannonier Adesanya. This is the UFC 276 main event for the middleweight championship. Alright, it is now time to get to the main event, the finale of UFC 276 and the fight that plenty of fans are buying this pay-per-view for. You have Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion, entering Vegas this weekend on a quest to defend his title for the fifth time against a fighter who possesses a multitude of threats in Jared Cannonier. Is he as undefeated as a middleweight? with his only career loss coming in the light heavyweight division in a championship fight against Jan Blachowicz last year. Since then, Izzy has continued to lap his division, posting his second wins over both Marvin Vittori and Robert Whittaker. As for Kananir, the Alaskan product could have had this shot earlier, given that Israel Adesanya had signaled his intention to fight Jared, had Kananir been able to defeat Rob Whittaker. However, Kananir faced a roadblock on his quest for gold, falling short in a grinding 15-minute contest up against the Reaper. Since that loss, Cannonier has posted two straight wins with a five-round decision victory over Kelvin Gastelum before coming back in February this year with a graphic knockout win over Derek Brunson to earn his opportunity at this very title shot. Now, that contest with Derek Brunson took place on the same night as Israel Adesanya's most recent defense of, uh, against Robert Whittaker, and that extended... Cannoneer's win or record at middleweight to 5-1. Sorry, it's like 4.30 in the morning. Now, Adesanya is yet to face someone with the speed and the power of someone like Jared Cannoneer, as well as not facing someone with such an unrelenting perseverance in fights when the going gets tough. That is something that Cannoneer brings to the table that maybe has been lacking in some of Izzy's title challenges with the greatest respect to all the men who have stepped up and challenged for the belt. Who's going to leave Vegas with the championship this weekend? Well, an upset could definitely be on the cards. I can see Jared Cannonier getting it done, but 
At the same token, there is no reason to suggest that Izzy can't get this done. A very sizable favorite, and that is for a reason, has yet to be stopped or defeated in any form in the middleweight division. Izzy is finally getting what he wanted. He's been after some fresh blood in the division. After having to face guys for a second time, Whitaker and Vittori, well, enter Jared Cannonier. He was called out by Izzy, had that slip up against Whitaker, but he has earned his title shot going the hard road and defeating some very quality adversaries. Cannonier is one of the hardest hitters in the division and he's co competed at heavyweight, light heavyweight and now middleweight with knockouts in all three divisions. But Cannonier definitely seems best suited to middleweight. He has been in career best form at 185, thriving completely. And now with knockouts in three different weight divisions, he finds himself in the perfect position to be the first man inside the UFC to stop Israel Adesanya inside the distance. Now it is his true weight division. Cannonier is really poised. He looks shredded. He looks lean. A powerful middleweight with heavyweight power in his hands. So make no mistake about it. Cannonier, a much bigger threat than the betting market suggests. And Cannonier is training alongside his head coach, John Crouch, at MMA Lab in Phoenix, Arizona. Not the only fighter on this card to do so as well. As I mentioned a bit earlier, Sean O'Malley, also hailing from MMA Lab. Last time out, we saw Cannonier get the brutal destruction win over Derek Brunson. I mean, those elbows were brutal. I'm a fan of Brunson, so it was quite hard to watch. But the statement was made from the Killer Gorilla, and now Cannonier has positioned himself next in line for that title shot. On the same night that Cannonier earned his title shot, Adesanya defeated Whitaker for the second time, this time via decision. And Adesanya is coming this time to take out a new foe. Adesanya is of Nigerian heritage, moving to Auckland, New Zealand back in 2001. The Aucklander is breathing down the neck of Anderson Silva for the title of UFC's all-time greatest middleweight, and he's defeated Anderson Silva as well, which is definitely something to add to the resume. Adesanya is one of the most evasive fighters the world has ever seen, and like the old adage goes, he floats like a butterfly, and he most definitely stings like a bee. Some serious sting on those punches. That's coming from a bloke who has never been punched by Israel Adesanya, um, but I think it's fair to assume that there would be some serious sting behind those punches. As for Cannonier, he genuinely has like shit your pants power. I feel like if he punched me in the head, I'd probably shit my pants. Sorry, uh, that was probably not the best example, but like I think that he has so much power. I feel like that's what would happen. Either that or I would probably die. So here is hoping that I don't get in a fight with Jared Cannonier. And hopefully he's not listening because I am going to go against him in this one. And yeah, I don't want to shit my pants or die. Now, Izzy has talked about how he's planning something spectacular for this fight. That leads me to believe that he's going to come out with a real intent. We're going to see a lot hungrier version of the champion than we have in his last two rematches against guys he's already faced. This is a fresh opponent for Izzy, and I definitely think it is going to bring the best out of the champion. Having a look at his reign, he uh, first picked up the interim belt against Kelvin Gastelum in a fight where I haven't seen Israel push that hard since. After that, he unified the titles, defeating Robert Whittaker with a KO in Melbourne, Australia. Then he had a unanimous decision victory over Yoel Romero in a fight that was largely forgettable, although 
definitely can understand why neither men were too keen to move forward against dangerous strikers. Then after that, Israel Adesanya made it look easy up against Paolo Costa. Bit of a meathead, very talented fighter, pretty funny on Twitter, but also a fucking meathead. So Israel, definitely a step ahead mentally. Physically, he was a step ahead as well. Far too fast, far too strong for Paolo Costa, who looked like a shell of himself in that fight. After that, Izzy lost up against Jan Blachowicz in the light heavyweight championship fight. Uh, maybe bit off a little bit more than he could chew before returning to the middleweight division, posting wins over Vittori and Whitaker for a second time. Onto the profiles now, starting with the defending champion Israel, the last stylebender Adesanya, the 32-year-old hailing from Auckland, New Zealand, and representing City Kickboxing this weekend. Speaking of kickboxing, that is Izzy's style. He is a phenomenal kickboxer. Make no mistake about it, this guy can make you look silly if you have not prepared for his offense, and specifically his defense, which arguably is the strongest point of the champion's game, with Adesanya's overall record in the UFC standing at 11 wins and one loss. On to Jared Cannonier, and the killer gorilla is 38 years old, from Alaska, but fighting out of Phoenix, Arizona, with the MMA Lab Gym. Kananir is a knockout specialist and a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt with an overall UFC record standing at eight and five. Five and one in the middleweight division, but of course did spend some time at heavyweight and light heavyweight as well. Onto the advantages for this huge main event. Big fight experience definitely goes to Israel Adesanya. He's been on the big stage multiple times now. He knows exactly what it's all about. The fight week, the press conferences, all the noise that surrounds a fight of this magnitude. Big fight experience advantage definitely goes to Adesanya. Striking, I would give to Izzy as well. I think he'll definitely have the edge there. But grappling, I think that's an area where Kananir can really impose himself. We saw the only loss Adesanya's had in his career was being wrestled by a bigger man, held down by someone with a light heavyweight slash heavyweight frame. That is exactly what Jared Cannonier has. So expect Cannonier to not only utilize the power in his hands, but also, also his strength in the grappling exchanges. There's gonna be a significant height and reach advantage for Adesanya, which I definitely think he can use to his advantage. He'll be able to stay at range, work some leg kicks. He loves those high leg uh, head kicks as well. And ultimately, I think he can just kind of pace himself, work out exactly the fight that Jared Cannonier is trying to bring, and then the champion can adjust. And level of competition advantage as well favors the champion in Israel Adesanya. Could an upset be on the cards? As I said, it definitely could, much closer than the odds suggest. Jared Cannonier with an overall pro record standing at 15 and 5 as he looks to finally claim UFC gold. 10 of 15 wins by knockout for Cannonier. That is his specialty, and won't it be a huge moment if he is able to knock out the champion? Overall, Cannonier having 10 knockouts, two submissions, and three decision victories on his resume. As far as losses, five losses in the career of Cannonier, two coming by way of knockout, and three by way of decision. As for Israel Adesanya's pro record, very impressive at 22 and 1. 15 of 22 wins by knockout with seven decisions as well. So both guys knockout specialists, both guys able to win by submission if they need to. Adesanya yet to do that in his professional career, but he did say he's coming out with the aim to be flashy, to impress and to really show off. So 
Maybe a submission could be on the cards. It would be the first of his pro career. Knockout seems more likely, or decision though. 15 knockout wins, 7 decision wins in the career of Israel Adesanya, with the one loss on his record being that 5-round decision loss to Jan Blahovic. Finish factor for this one? I've got to say hi. They're both knockout specialists. 25 minutes to get to work as well. And whilst I can see this going the full 25 minutes, both guys are extremely dangerous. If one of them gets tired or slips up for even a moment, that is all their opponent is going to need to shut their lights out. So finish factor high for this one. And stylistically, it's going to be a battle of the power in Jared Cannonier's hands up against Israel's evasiveness, speed, and precision. In my opinion, it's a fantastic way to round out what is a completely stacked card in Las Vegas. And with that being said, it is time for me to wrap this podcast with my main event pick. And after much back and forth, look, for a while I'm thinking Izzy Dubai decision, but he said himself he wants to show off. So Israel Adesanya, I know you're listening. Um, You said you wanted to show off. So on that basis, I'm changing my pick. If he wants to show off and if he really wants to make a statement after a couple of really quality, but albeit not a great highlight reel in his last two fights, well, now all of a sudden, I think Israel Adesanya is poised for another big moment. That seems to be his intent. So whilst I think both guys very evenly matched, decision was my original thought. Izzy, if you're going to show off, then I'm taking you by knockout. I think if Israel Adesanya does show off, then eventually Kananir is going to tire. I don't think it's going to be a quick knockout. But Kananir is a big dude. He's shown he can go 25 minutes. But up against someone like Adesanya, I think Izzy's going to be able to gradually break him down bit by bit and then eventually go for the final kill. So I'm taking Israel Adesanya by knockout. I will not be surprised if Kananir gets the huge upset. But ultimately, main event for the middleweight championship. And still, I am taking Israel Adesanya over Jared Kananir by knockout. And best bet, well, I won't specify exactly when the knockout would be. Maybe third round if you feel like having a stab. But my best bet, I'm going to stick with my main event prediction. Best bet, Adesanya by knockout. I'll pull the odds up for that. While I do so, that's pretty much it for the podcast. So I'll wrap it up here. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, do make sure to follow us on Instagram at NotJustASportsReport. And also on whatever podcast platform you are listening on, you'll be able to see straight away as soon as the cards finish tomorrow, UFC thoughts and comments. I'll be sitting down watching the entire card and giving my live reactions. So that will be out straight after the card tomorrow. Keep your ear out for that. And on to the betting market now. My best bet, Adesanya by knockout, $2.60. So you can more than double your money if that one gets up. Best bet, Adesanya by knockout. But definitely do not sleep on the decision option because it could very well go that way. Cannoneer's hungry. He could chase the win and actually secure the finish himself. But at the end of the day, I can only make one pick. I'm from Auckland, New Zealand. I got a stick with the hometown hero, not just because of that factor, but because of the factor that he is one of the greatest middleweights we have ever seen. And this could potentially set up a matchup with Alex Pereira, which would be huge. I would not mind a Sean Strickland matchup at all. A lot of potential things that could go down after this weekend, given that we have four monumentally large middleweight contests. Do not forget about Dracus Duplice or Duplice and Brad Tavares. And of course, another one that I am hugely keen on, 
on this card, and that is Andre Muniz up against Uriel Hall. So many contests on this card that I am super pumped about, all the way from the early prelims through to the main. This has been UFC 276 Preview and Predictions. Once again, main event taking Adesanya by knockout, taking Volk in the co-main event by a decision, taking Alex Pereira over Sean Strickland by knockout. Really unsure about that one, though. Uh, Sean O'Malley by decision over Pedro Munoz, although knockout, definitely an option there. And another tough one to pick, I've gone Brian Barberena by decision over Robbie Lawler. So those are all my picks for the main card. The prelims podcast already out there as well, so you can go back and listen to that. But with that being said, it's only a few hours away from the card actually starting, early prelims kicking off. I've got a couple of hours to get to sleep, and then I've got to get my ass up for UFC thoughts and comments. So I better wrap it up here. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Enjoy the fights tomorrow, and let's hope this podcast produced some winners. If you've got some money on it, hopefully we get some winners tomorrow. I've done plenty of tape, plenty of research and study to try and make sure that this weekend is a successful one. So let's see how the picks go, and I will be back with thoughts and comments tomorrow straight after the card. So until then, take care of yourselves, enjoy your weekend, and most importantly, enjoy the fights.